Hebrews chapter number one. We started to study in the book of Hebrews and probably will continue it for a little bit. And looking at the book of Hebrews, does anybody remember? I've told you this before. Does anybody remember what the book of Hebrews is equivalent to in the Old Testament? Leviticus. Leviticus. You're right. And uh, so Leviticus and Hebrews are working on the same area. They're different and quite a bit. And he, in uh, Leviticus, the Savior hadn't come. In Hebrews, he's here. Has come. In Leviticus, portrays him coming as a sacrifice. But Hebrews portrays him as the sacrifice that has come. So we look at those two books. Now, if you want to compare, most every book in the Old Testament's got something that's equal to in the New Testament. The New Testament unfolds what you don't know in the Old Testament. Thank God for that. God don't have nothing closed. He don't have a closed book this morning. We don't have an Old Testament uh, that just is closed at Malachi, and that's all the Bible we got. Because it starts back at Matthew, and it gives us through Revelation. And we'll see that it takes all that. It takes the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I've said over and over and over, people that want to study out the Old Testament alone and never touch the New Testament, they, they got problems. And if they study out the New Testament, most people do in these days, because we are what they call a New Testament church. And just because it's New Testament don't mean that you can't study the Old Testament. Because if you just dealt with the book of Matthew and ended up with the book of Revelation and saw you ever preach the New Testament, there would be a lot of things you'd not understand nor know. Amen. And the Old Testament is unfolded in the New Testament. And the, and the Old Testament prophesies the New Testament. And so we'll look at those things. I hope I didn't get them twisted. But anyhow, you understand what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 1. I want to go back and deal with verse 1, verse 2, but we're going to bear down on verse 3 this morning. He said, God, who at sundry times, various times, random times, and in divers manners, different manners, different ways, uh, numerous ways, uh, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. That's how God spoke. Mainly, God spoke through prophets. He did use visions. He did use dreams. He did use the priest. He did use uh, uh, some of the patriarchs and those. Of course, they were classified mainly as prophets. But God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament. Hath in these last days, now, uh, we're in the last days, spoken unto us by his Son. So that's why we don't need visions and dreams anymore. The Son is speaking. How's he speaking? He's not here. How's he speaking today? Through the word of the living God. Amen. So he's speaking unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heirs of all things. Praise God. Amen. He's been, uh, he's been appointed heir of all things. He's heir of it. And he said, by whom also he made the worlds. Now this is talking about Jesus, the son of God. In verse 1 and 2, he's dealing with the Lord Jesus. He's dealing with him in verse 3 too as well. So don't get it confused. We had our study yesterday on God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But today we want, we're want we talking about the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Son of the living God. Last week I said that Jesus was God's prophetic uh, voice. He's, uh, he was uh, involved in the plan of God. God designed it, and uh, it's the greatest plan ever made. But he perfected it in uh, bringing forth the redemption. And the Old Testament was just only partial. And we'll see all that put in the Word of God. But we find also 
that Jesus is God's only son. Amen. Only begotten son. None other. Amen. Now the Bible says, and one of the prophets, no, not prophets, one of the uh, apostles, Brother John, he said that we are, uh, we are the sons of God. And you said, well, that's a contradiction. No, it's not. There's a difference between a son and sons. We're, Jesus is the only begotten son. But now we are birthed in his family and have become sons of God. Amen. We're not God's only begotten son as Christ was. Uh, we've been birthed into his family. We belong to him. He belongs to us. But we're not his only begotten son. Uh, we're just one of the sons of God. There's a difference between us and Christ. Amen. And that's what the Lord's trying to tell us here. We see it. Uh, we, he's also, he's the appointed heir. That's what we just read here. He's a appointed heir of all things. Amen. Somebody's been appointed, just been put in that job. He wasn't elected into it. Hey, you hearing that? Hey, then God in heaven didn't say, now we're going to take a vote. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, we're going to take a vote. And we're going to elect him as the Son of God or heir of all things. No, God just appointed him that. He's his only begotten son. God has the right to appoint anything. Amen. God has the right to put anybody in charge and in office as he sees fit. And God's got his order and he won't change his order. Amen. He'll always be the appointed heir. Always be the appointed heir. Amen. Now that free you up if you get to thinking about it. Praise God. We got an eternal uh, appointed heir, Christ Jesus. And we see that. And Jesus is God's creative agent, if you will. He created everything. Uh, all things are made by him and for him. There was nothing made that was made. He's made that. Christ done that. God's only begotten son is the creator. You say God the Father is. Yes, that's right. They're all one. And I don't want to get on yesterday's lessons and stay with that today. But I want you to say it all works. I don't care where you're in Sunday school or a Bible study of preaching. The word's the word. Amen. And God's book is God's book. So anyhow, we're going to look a little further and see what it says here in verse number three. Who? Now he's talking about Christ. You see verse one, verse two is Christ. Keep your subject. Stay right in line of where God's got us and what he wants us to see. Who be in the brightness of his glory. Amen. The brightness of his glory. Now glory to me is, is glory is is the brightness of God. And I can, ex uh, I can demonstrate that a little bit. In the Old Testament, how did God appear to the Israelites uh, before they, well, while he was in the wilderness? Let's just look at that for a minute. How did he appear? He appeared in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When God met with them and came down to talk with them, they had to go up on the mount. And when they went up on the mount, the people couldn't go up. They had to stay at the foot of the, of the mountain. And on the mountain, smoke went up off the mount. That was a type of the glory of God. And they saw that. And that's God's presence. Well, they get in places like the burning bush. When Moses saw the burning bush, that's a type and, uh, uh, and a show of the glory of God. Right? 
uh, Moses on the mount when God said, I won't let you see my face. No man has seen God at any time. But he uh, let Moses, he hid himself in the, in the cleft of the rock and, and Moses saw the hinder part of God. And uh, when he is up on the mount with God and came down off of the earth, off the mountain, and the people said, you got to put a veil on Moses. We can't even look at you. You got to get your veil on. He is so bright. Do you, you already see where I'm going with this? Because he's saying here, who being the brightness of his glory. Jesus is more than the glory of God. He's the brightness. Of, he's the light switch of God's glory, if you will. You see that? So, Christ, that excites me, praise God. I've got somebody that is on my side and I'm on his. Praise God, he's in me and on me and through me when I'm preaching and everything else. Praise God, he's all I need. Now, some folks need a little bit more than Christ. He's not enough for them. they got to have Christ and something else. Uh, Christ and pleasure. Christ and something else. no. Not as a child of God, you don't need all that. You just think you do. If you need something besides Christ this morning, you're not satisfied and got to the place God wants you to be. You need to sell out everything, give up everything, quit everything, and uh, just fall before him and say, I want you and I want to be like you. Amen. I'll guarantee you when you get to that place and when you get up off your knees there's going to be some changes that God's going to make right in. Amen. You hear me? And until you get to that place, uh, you're not going to see the glory of God. You're going to feel a little presence of God. And that's about all God's people are doing in the churches up in these, in these days. They're just feeling a little spark and a little touch. They sing a song and it starts stirring their foot and they pat it. They'll sing a song and it starts blessing and they'll wave their hand. Understand what I'm saying, don't you? Amen. They'll think about some things, but they got so much in their life that they don't intend to give up. So much in their life that they don't intend to change. It could be an attitude of your mind. It could be an attitude of your heart. It could be some animosity. You may be mad at somebody and been mad at them. It may be a family member you can't stand and they've been that way for 20 years. And you know what you're doing? You're letting your family member keep you from coming to God. He's getting the glory off of you. You ain't got no glory. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, you think, well, if I went out and got drunk, I wouldn't have the glory of God on me. Well, you wouldn't get drunk no how if you had the glory of God on you. You got a prior problem before that come. Understand? Nobody said, well, if the glory of God's on me, I wouldn't lie. Well, quit lying. Maybe you get the glory of God. You understand what I'm saying? We're putting the cart before the horse and everything we do. Churches have got that way. We're in a society that's in a mess. We're turned upside down. We've got our own way of doing things. Church members got our own ways of doing things. I guarantee you can't find 10 church members in any one church uh, that's going to have all the same ideas about the Word of God. I'll tell you something this morning. Uh, it, it's blown my mind of what people know or what they don't know. I'm more concerned about what people don't know than what I am about what they do know. Does that mean anything to you? 
Somebody said, oh, so-and-so, they look like they live a good, clean, dedicated life. I ain't worried about them. Praise God, I wish everybody else would get like them. You understand? I uh, said, you hear old so-and-so, all they want to do is shout and talk about God all the time. I ain't going to talk about them. Praise God, won't you get like that? Make my job a lot easier. Amen. Well, I'm just telling you something. I didn't intend to run this rabbit, but here we are. He said here, being who being the brightness of his glory. In other words, he's the icing on the cake. That's who Christ is. Understand that? Do you understand today? Hey, you cannot and could not and would not do anything that would be, uh, would be helpful without Christ. That's why Colossians says Christ is, you know, who is the hope of glory. He's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. There ain't no hope if you don't have Christ. Amen. If people come by your casket when you're dead, view your body, and they got, they're having to scratch their head right here on this side and that side, question marks are rolling around whether you went somewhere you failed. Amen. The moment I draw my last breath, I hope somebody says glory to God. He's in glory and the devil is excited. He's out of his hair. Amen. Praise God. But and and I hope nobody ever says about that after I'm gone. I hope he made it to glory. Well, maybe everything's all right. I hope he's all right. I don't I don't want that said. Praise God. I want you to know I'm heaven bound. Praise God. I'd take off right now. Amen. All I'm waiting on is a nudge and a touch. Amen. I'm waiting on the limousine and the, and the, uh, and the, the chariot ride. And I ain't even looking for a, a, a what do you call them when you, uh, when you have a, a traffic jam? I'm not looking for a traffic jam. Praise God. The place I'm going is Zanera. But they, it ain't crowded either. Amen. Now, the broad road, you might get in a traffic jam. But, amen. Had thought of that. That's good preaching right there. We'll have to work a, a message on that. But he said, who be in the brightness of his glory. Praise God. That just stirs me. And then he gives comma, and he says, and. That means there's some more to it. Now, Christ is the brightness of his glory. Another thing, he said, and the express image of his person. That's what he is. He's not only the brightness of his glory, but he's the express image. What's that mean, express image? What you can see, the express image, what you see in Christ, that he's the image of his person. He's the image of God. He is God. But he's the express, the personal, literal Express image of God. Hallelujah. Right? God, that's, that's, that's stir your soul down to the last. Oh, 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 uh, coffee says to the last drop. Brother, this will stir your soul to the last drop. That'll scratch out all the grounds in the bottom. Amen. Hallelujah. I get stirred up thinking about the Word of God, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. You want to know Christ? Amen. You get to the Word of God. You want to know God? Find Christ. 
One or both in the same. How are you going to get that? You, how are you going to find Christ? You're going to have to get the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit show you the Christ. Amen. It's got the job in there. Now, we'll find in the Bible that God's the beginning of all, the beginner of all things. He's the blesser of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. And he's the finisher of all things. Matter of fact, Christ is not only the finisher, but he's the author and the finisher. Amen. You want to put that in there. But I want you to look at this. God the Father planned it. God the Son uh, presented it. I mean, uh, has perfected it. And God the Holy Ghost has presented it and preserved it for you and me. God in heaven's on the throne. He sent out the clarion call to the world, be ye saved, all ye earth, all ye world. And he sent his son from heaven to earth to die on the cross of Calvary because God loved us so much. John three sixteen, And he came and died and bled and went to the grave and arose on the third day, ascended back into heaven. I'll tell you in a minute where he's at. I done uh, read it this morning. And I'm, I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. But guess what? The Holy Spirit took his part then, come down to the earth, been dwelling with us for uh, these uh, years, 2,000 years, and presenting the gospel to you and me. And we heard that call of the through the preaching of the word of God. And now we've come to him. And I thank God that he sent out that call. So the Holy Spirit presents it. No man can get to heaven without the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has to convict us of our sin. Holy Spirit shows us where we're wrong. Holy Spirit shows us we're sinners. And so there's that call goes out. We hear it. We, he introduces us to Christ. Christ introduces us to God. Amen. All three are working together because they're the same. Three persons. One God. Hallelujah. I ain't getting off of yesterday's lesson, am I? Amen. Maybe somebody needs this. But I'm telling you, it stirs my soul. And you'd be surprised that the people out there in the public don't know anything. You know, I can understand a, a man or a woman that's never heard the gospel. I can understand uh, people who's been raised in uh, homes of people who are parents that smoke and cuss and swear and and uh, take drugs and alcohol and those sort of things and live in sin. I understand that to a degree because that's our human nature. But they, their offspring is not going to be taught the things of God. I understand that. And they're not going to go to church. They're not going to hear anything when they go to church if they do, if they do go. Because we're living in a time when preachers do not, will not, cannot, and for some reason just won't preach they won't study the bible enough to get even stirred up about it and uh they 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 go in dead come out dead all they're doing just just building a big church full of cemeteries send them to the cemetery without god and then those that have gone to some of the churches where uh, where the preachers preaching uh, they're dead when they come in and you can't wake them amen I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just telling you that's the situation we're in America. But what does bother me is for people that sit under preachers for 35, 45, and 50 years 
and the preacher is supposed to be preaching from Genesis to Revelation. I want to ask you, ladies and gentlemen, what part of this Bible am I supposed to preach? Amen. Does that start from the front and the back? Or do I start in the back and the front? Or do I just preach three verses in the middle? Preach it all, right? All right. Preachers are supposed to be preaching every bit of it. And then you, you walk around them and talk to some of these people that's been going to their church for all these many years and you ask them a question and they say, Oh, no. I never have heard that. Or I believe this. Or I believe that. Well, my preacher said this. Doesn't say, my preacher said this. And you can't find none of it in the Word of God. You understand where I'm coming from this morning? That's why today our nation is where it's at. All right. Who be in the brightness of His glory and the express image. In other words, the personal image. He expressed, we are seeing him. He's the seeing part. Amen. He's the express image, the seeing part of his person. If I want to know God, I got to know Christ. John 14, 1, he said, uh, you know, he said in there, in, in chapter 14, uh, ye believe in God, believe also in me. It's one thing to believe God, but you can believe God and die and go to hell. But you've got to do something with Christ. Every religion, every preacher, every church, you must know what they preach about Christ. Christ is a central figure of every church. It should be. Or they are to shut it down and go home. The Christ is a central uh, message of every man of God. Or he ought to get out of, the, out, of, out of it and quit. Amen. I don't mean he can't preach the whole word of God, the whole council. He needs to. He's, in, he's instructed to do so. He's commanded to do so. So therefore, the preacher should preach everything that's in this book. He shouldn't be uh, pushing one thing and pulling on another. He shouldn't be skipping this verse and skipping that verse. Sometimes it don't set good. Sometimes I preach myself under conviction. Sometimes I see I don't line up with it. And what do I do? I have to get it right. Amen. That's what the Word of God is there for. If I don't, the next time I preach, it's going to show up. Amen. Uh, you harbor sin in your life, and God ain't going to bless you. Amen. I want anything and everything out of my life that hinders me from having the touch of God on me when I'm standing right here. This is the most important part to my life right now. This is the most important uh, time in my life when I'm before God and before the people and with the Word of God. The happiest of my life is standing right here before you people or sitting before a microphone at the house preaching the Word of the living God. I have no nothing else that satisfies me any more in life than being able to preach God's holy Word. They used to say of Dr. Oliver B. Green, the Gospel Hour, Said so Dr. Green, of course, he was an old drunk. Uh, he was uh, brought out of alcohol for years and years. That's all he was till God saved him. And he wrote a book on from disgrace to grace. And he got a tremendous testimony. And from that day forward, he preached. He preached in, in tents. He preached in churches and revivals. 
And then he got bad health. His health got so bad that he couldn't do anything except preach. But God put him on the radio. And for years and years and years, he sat before a microphone and preached to an audience that he could not see and didn't even have uh, the, the ways that we have today to knowing that somebody had even been listening. Uh, we do have a, we can get the statistics of who's, maybe not know exactly who, but we know where. And we get to a point of people, or a, the count of how many people's been listening, you know. But he didn't have that. And they said in the latter years, when his health began to decline more and more, and back when he was preaching, if you ever heard his sermons in the uh, tent meetings he's in, Lord have mercy, he is a stout, strong preacher. He's one of them that say, hey, uh, the old beer uh, gusser down the road, drunk all his life, been an alcoholic, couldn't get him to go to church, said, it's a shame when he died that they took him to church and got a preacher preach his funeral. Said they ought to took him down to the down to the bar room and got the bartender and put beer cans on his casket and let the bartender preach. Said, "Why you 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 you're disrespectful. You take him to the church when he dies, and he wouldn't go to church when he's alive. You hypocrite." Amen. Can you imagine preachers preaching like that today? Said, you believe that? You're lower down in a, than a wagon track, uh, than, a, than a snake's belly in a wagon track. He preached that, and he got to the place that he couldn't raise his voice. And do it. So he preached it in his chair. And they said, every day when Dr. Green was going to preach his broadcast that went all over the world, they'd have to go in there and prop him up in the chair. He couldn't hold himself up. Prop himself up in the chair and put the microphone before him. And... He'd preach and you'd never even know he was missing a note. He'd just preach. Couldn't move, but he could preach. All he could do is turn pages into the Bible. And when he died, that's the way he was. Now, let me tell you something. We need some more of that. Now preachers stump their toe when you go to the house of God or call a vacation time or something. All right. Here we are. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and notice we got another comma and we got another and that's another connection and conjunction that word and he's saying something else about him and upholding all things by the word of his power now this is Jesus there's three things here he's, he's, he is first of all the brightness of God's glory He's the express image of God's person, and he's the upholding all things by the word of his own power. And that's God's power too, by the way. Now, what's it mean he's upholding all things? Keeping the sun coming up in the morning, moon coming up at night, stars in the sky shining, amen, the season's going, and man's trying to change everything, amen. He's really trying to change everything. He really is. And he's accomplishing a lot of it. And God just sat back in the heavens. And he's just kind of lifing with his feet on the footstool. You know what the footstool of God is? Huh? Earth. Earth is God's footstool. Amen. And uh, how's God's transportation? Clouds. Amen. 
He's, he's in heaven, and Christ right now is at the right hand of the Father. We look at that in a minute. But we, he's looking at that. He just laughs at us little fellas and men and women who think that they can outdo God. This world comes into place and it thinks it's God. It thinks it can do what God does. Uh, they're actually thinking that one of these days they're going to make a human beings. They're teaching that stuff today. We got, and some of these are Jewish people. I'm not one fellow I, I read after everyone or hear after every once in a while. He's a, he's a, a nut. Uh, he's lost. He's headed to hell. He's a Jew. He don't know God. Wouldn't know God if he met him in the street. And uh, he tells us that uh, the whole whole people's going to change. Everybody's going to change. We're all going to be different. We're going to be uh, animated by technology pretty soon. They're going to change everything about you. Of course, we're going to get out of town. Hallelujah for that. But I want you to know we got people believing it. They think they're going to change everything. This Green Deal stuff, tree huggers and all that, they think they're going to control the universe. But I don't got news. This is what God said about him. Christ is upholding all things by the word of his power. They do say, say, say something or do something, and God always just says, nope, it ain't going to work that way. And Amen. He lets them have a little ground every once in a while. That's right. Some of the things I believe are controlling weather to some degree today. That's the reason you've seen it. Notice it, notice it different. Some things are happening. Things are out of, out of the ordinary. I know people don't believe all that, but yep. They, they're doing some of that. When he had by himself purged, that means washed away, cleansed, took our place on Calvary, Purged our sins. The Bible said, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. Now we know where Christ is. He's on the right hand of God. We talked about yesterday where, where God's house is, where God's place. Where does God live? In the sides of the north. Find that more than one place in the Bible. But God's in the sides of the north. Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Amen. And I do appreciate that. Thank God for it. We've got all that. And it's a blessing. It's, a, it's amazing. So I look at it and I appreciate Christ. He's, he's the brightness. He's the express image. He's the upholder. And he is uh, the finisher of our faith. Why is he set down at the right hand of the Father? Because he's finished it. When you read in the Old Testament, one thing about the priest was... The priests never had a, they didn't, you read in the, in the Word of God, I've mentioned this before, maybe I'll bring it back to your remembrance again. But in the tabernacle, they had the uh, outer court, they had the middle court, and they had the inner court. In the outer court, they had the, the laver, and they had the altar. There's the wash, and then they go to the, oh, they offered the sacrifice. And then they caught the blood, and they went inside the holy place, or the middle court, and inside the middle court, they had three items, if I can remember them. One of them was the seven golden candlestick that was always in the morning and the night uh, filled up with oil. That was a priest's job to keep it full so that it would continually burn. Now, nobody could see it from the outside. And God's showing us 
that God, that people can't see the light of God on the inside of our heart, but we got the light burning in here. Amen. So every once in a while, it gets sparked up pretty good, and uh, they'll see it on the outside because we'll say hallelujah, say amen, praise God, and all that. Amen. Uh, but they kept it going. Then they had the altar of incense. And the altar of incense, they put all these different incenses on there, and it was to go up before God, and uh, it was to be a great smelling savor. God accepted that, and uh, they, that blood is what God was accepting. And then they had the altar uh, a table of showbread, and they mixed that bread of unleavened bread, and there it was put. And we'll have to go back and study some of that and look and how, how deputy it is. Uh, when I taught it before, I've learned a lot more about it since then. And we can get into it deeper, and we will. But just thinking about that table of showbread, that's what the priest eat off of. He eat that table of showbread, and uh, parts of that sacrifice too, as we study that, you can find it. But then that was in the middle part. Now the priest, not the high priest, but the priest, all of them couldn't do this. I mean, the high priest uh, could, but uh, the high priest is the only one that could go inside the holy of holiest or the third place, the inner most inner court. But all the other priests, their job was to go in and out and keep the light burning, keep the bread uh, on the altar, on the table. And then the high priest went behind the veil. The veil was so heavy Brother, I'll tell you, uh, he had to go by, but he had, had to go with blood. And inside that, that holiest of holy place was the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, amen. And uh, in, in the Ark of the Covenant was that uh, table, I mean, was the um, golden altar or golden censer with, you know, the, had the manna in it. Ten Commandments had those things in it, and they stretched all that out, and, and the priest went in there. Now, he sprinkled that blood. When he sprinkled that blood off his fingers, then God accepted that. Now, if he hadn't had the blood, God would have killed him. He wouldn't have got out of there. And so nobody but the high priest did that. And reason it is is because here we find that Christ done that and he purged our sins with his own blood. It's his blood. Wasn't the blood of bulls and goats and oxen. It was the blood of Christ that was sprinkled on the mercy seat. And God accepted that. Then when he done that, he sat down. Now, no other priest could ever sit down in that place. Because their job was not finished. But Christ, his job... Has been finished. Amen. Said, had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Look where he's at. He's at the right hand. Hallelujah. That's good for the Sunday school this morning. Appreciate it. Amen. Thank you for listening. May God add to it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the wisdom of God. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the strength of God. Thank you for the power of God. Thank you this morning, Lord, that we have a Bible that can guide us, can direct us, can show us, can teach us, can help us, can strengthen us. Lord, can encourage us. 
Lord, we thank you for the Word of God that's so real, so right. And Lord, thank you that it's so precious. And I pray we'd hide it in our heart that we not sin against you. Touch the remainder of the service this morning. Have your own way. Touch hearts all over the congregation. We'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.